TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Cheap shot I took on your microphone over there. I didn't like that one bit. <laughs> Welcome everybody, two guys in a mic show back at you like we are each and every weekday from 10 until 11. Beautiful hump day, midweek Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us. Big dog, by the way, David Olson. I don't know if I told you in the uh, our 63-second uh, uh, pre-show meeting, might be calling in today. Tell the big dog he's welcome to join us. But as our fans via the live webcast can see, we are joined in studio today by one of our favorite co-hosts, Michael. Moreau in the house. Michael, how are you, my friend? Good, how are you? Not bad. Still a little bit early, but, uh, you know, the early returns for today are uh, not too bad. Thank you for asking, though. But uh, a lot of the females out there, emailers, you're very popular with our female audience, wondering what Mike Moreau has done in the last six weeks since you've been in the studio. Wrap it up in uh, a couple of sentences. Uh, North Shore, uh, Northwestern football and Woo! interning a couple of days a week with the Chicago Sky, the... Uh, WNBA team here in town. It's outstanding. Now, when you say Northwestern, you were not, when Persia went down, you were not the backup quarterback. Uh, thankfully not. Okay. Because I saw a guy that looked like you. <laughs> not Evan Watkins, but what's the other guy's name? Kane, Kane Coulter? Kane Coulter. I thought that might have been you. <laughs> so that was not the work specifically. What have you been doing at Northwestern University? And don't pull off some, you know, like professor of chemistry, because our fans are smarter than that. I work in the uh, football video department. Football video. Yeah, I uh, help film practices and I uh, film games. I film a couple of games. Is there any chance, uh, as an avid Northwestern fan myself, that you could edit out uh, most of the last two games? Are you able to do that? Unfortunately, I can't do that. <laughs> slice, slice, cut it. Matter of fact, if you want to lose the tape of the last couple of games, as a highly respected uh, uh, filmographer for Northwestern, feel free to do so. Wow. I'll do. I'll do my best. Yeah. What about the uh, college bowl picture now? As a Northwestern They're, employee, you have to be following that. You're going to head to Texas with the team? Uh, at the moment, I, I am. Things could change. Nice. But uh, I would be really excited for a trip down to Dallas. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm really looking nice. forward to it. So they're going to bring the uh, videographer with them, huh? Well, a little splicing. and di- Do you still splice, or is that old-fashioned term? That, that's pretty old-fashioned. Okay. I always like splicing. Never did it, but it was kind of fun. See, uh, modern technology, you can't, you can't literally, they used to, well, David, you remember the day, you used to literally cut up tape. Yeah, I was, I was probably the last generation to be trained on that. Yeah. Because, like, literally right after I got out of college, Uh everything went digital. Yeah. I mean, over the course of about a decade, but yeah. Yeah. Now you got guys like Mike Moreau, you know, that basically, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how to gently put this, soft. Very soft. Oh, exactly. Been, you know, exactly. He's like an elite. You know, cutting the fingertips with the razor blades. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say soft. <laughs> I would say just easier. I'd say soft. I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. Technology is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and I'm glad you'd be heading down to Texas with the Northwestern uh, Ball Club. Very, very impressive. Great to have you in the studio. We got a lot of baseball to talk about, don't we? Yeah, a lot of big news in the last couple of days, even a couple of hours. Even a, about a half an hour ago, right, uh, David? 
Even less than that. Wow. I mean, that, that hit Twitter about 10 minutes ago, maybe. So we are your uh, seventh radio station slash Internet talk show. We're not the first, Mike. We're trying. But we are the seventh to report that Paulie Canerco has signed with the Chicago White Sox. Three years, $37.111 million. 37.5. My sources say point one. Considering considering what was uh, going on earlier in the week, that signing is is kind of surprising with the back and forth between the two sides. It looked mm-hmm. like Kernerko might go elsewhere, but I guess they were able to you know find some middle ground in the what Kernerko wanted and what the White Sox wanted to offer. So it's a good signing for the White Sox, and White Sox fans should be happy with that future lineup. Yeah, and supposedly, I mean, the Diamondbacks were lowball on him, and that's why he came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wanted to basically, for uh, end of career slash family reasons, move to Arizona. Right, right. But I, I can I can look it up. But they they were they were lowball on him. Yeah, they were lowball. And when you say lowball on him, you know, I always have this issue, Mike, because you know, you know, players leave teams saying, oh, you know, the team didn't respect me, they didn't want me, and I, you know, I've said this before, and I. I feel like saying it again today as I hear Carlos Pena signing for $10 million, Paul Conurco, three years, $37 million, you know, lowball. So it puts the Arizona, and I'm just using this as, a, as an example, the Arizona Diamondbacks in a bad light. They were off for the son of a gun, let's say, $8 million a year. Oh, they're disrespecting me. They're lowballing me. And, I, again, I'm using Conurco as an example, cause, and it's probably a bad one because he's a class act. But this is where our mindset has gotten in the world of sport. Ah, oh, they don't want me. They only offered me $4 million a year. What are you talking about? Now, another team may be offering you more, but don't tell me the said team A doesn't want you. They're offering you $4 million a year, it's, almost as much as you make as a, a soft videographer. I wish I made that much. But uh, it's uh, it's the deal with what, you know, what players think of themselves and what the organization is willing to offer. Adam Dunn probably took a little less money to come here, to come play for the White Sox. Conurco originally wanted somewhere in the area of $15 million. So I don't know. I haven't heard anything what the Diamondbacks were offering him, but mm-hmm. I'm sure anything less than 11 was something that he considered lowballing. So, You know what this is? Small violin and it's playing for some of those baseball players that aren't getting their big contract. I read about Howard Stern today. I'm sorry. The, the contract's... I don't know if disgust is the right word, but it disturbs me. And by the way, our phone lines are open. Any Mike Moreau fans out there, we're going to talk Bulls basketball, Chicago Bears, and uh, Patriots coming up. We'll uh, take a look at the college bowl picture, not just Chicago sports, Mike. i got to remind you, we are a Internet sports show. People are seeing your face, hearing your voice, not only in the United States, but seven different continents across this fine planet Earth. It's pretty exciting to hear. I hope, <laughs> hope we gain some new fans from it. I'm uh, certainly hoping so. We're big in the Mideast. Big in the midi. Africa, we're starting to gain. South America, our ratings down in uh, the Dominican Republic, Haiti, South America, not very good. We need to build up down there. We'll get there. It takes time. I don't know if you have any connections, but if you could help us out a little bit, maybe when you take your trip to Texas with Northwestern instead of coming back, maybe you could just keep heading south and I'll give you a few business cards. You could spread the word a little bit. Yeah, I'll take another warm vacation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're a soft videographer. You probably need a break from all that hard work. <laughs> but uh, now, of course, I interrupted my um, train of thought. I love interrupting myself. I don't actually love it. 
but I have a tendency to do it. I think I was going to throw out the phone number out there, 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. Oh, I know David Olson talking about the uh, you know finances and these overpaid celebrities. Howard Stern on Sirius Radio complaining because the owner of the station said in our next contract talk, we're probably going to have to cut Howard's salary. Now, he complained, one, about the guy bringing it up in public. That I can understand. But, you know, oh, could you cut my salary? You guys getting a 100 mil a year? Something like that. Yeah, I think something. I read that this morning. I mean, yeah, your contract should be cut. If the company's not making money, you know, take a little bit of a pay. 100 million. It's disgusting. I, I agree that it's kind of arrogant for him to come out there and say that. However, it's it, – and they won't release this information to him, but – 60% of subscribers to XM are subscribing for Howard Stern. Yeah, which is very worrisome, by the way. Exactly, exactly. So, I, I mean, he's he's basically keeping them afloat to a certain extent. I'll so. bet you Michael is a, is a uh, elitist videographer and tech technician in the world of sports. I bet you're a Howard Stern fan. I am not a Howard Stern fan. Yeah, yeah see, I'm, I'm not either. I... I, and I Never quite understood his appeal, to tell you the truth. You know, and maybe, maybe, and I've always written that off to being, it's an East Coast thing. Because mm-hmm. I, I remember vividly him coming into Chicago for the first time. Yeah. And the first thing he did, he, oh, I'm on Chicago. And then he bashed everybody that was on Chicago. Yeah, just trying like, to try to be controversial. And that was it. And that's, what, that's why he failed miserably mm-hmm. his first time around. Movie was good. The Howard Stern movie? It, it was so, parts. it was... Self-serving and arrogant. I like thought. I enjoyed. it. I really thought. I'd... I enjoyed it. But occasionally I am self-serving and arrogant, so, you know. All right, we get off track once again, though, Mike. So we were talking, uh, you know, here it is, middle of December, freezing cold outside. we got a big NFL weekend coming up. We're talking baseball, but a lot going on. So Conurco with the White Sox. Yep. So we got that problem solved. And then the Chicago Cup first base position, which was question mark, question mark, question mark. Apparently, that has been solved. I, I guess. Well, yeah. When I say solved, how about filled a better word? <laughs> filled would be a better word, yeah. Your thoughts on uh, Carlos Pena? I couldn't tell you Carlos Pena from Roberto Clemente. I mean, he hit 196 last year, so. That part I've heard. Uh, I'm not so, sh- I can't say I'm you know, excited or disappointed, but, the, you know, they have a lefty guy. He had, he was productive last year, 28 home runs and had 86 RBIs, and for a guy who hit 196, who hit, you know, driving 86, have 86 RBIs. It's pretty impressive. Who, who did he play for last year? He was with the Devil. He was with the Rays. I mean, Tampa sorry. Bay Rays. Okay, so he batted 197. Yeah, and had 86 RBIs. Yeah, kind of. It's hard to do. It really is. But what uh, does he strike out a lot? Uh, I don't know his strikeout numbers, but no. I mean, hopefully, you know, maybe a change of scenery helps. He's mm-hmm. a kind of he's a guy that came in with a lot of you know came in with a high pedigree. And it's bounced around from team to team, and he kind of found, you know, found a little bit of life in Tampa. But, you know, maybe his one year in Chicago will will be helpful, and he'll help the Cubs out in some way. Mid twenties, late twenties. How many years has he been in the uh, major leagues? Talking about brand new Chicago Cub first baseman Carlos Pena. Woo-hoo! I, I believe I read this morning that he's thirty one. Thirty one. All right, so he is a veteran. Right, so it's only it's only a one year deal, so mm-hmm. you know maybe the Cubs are looking towards next year, which you know it's pretty standard for the Cubs, but 
Now, what's weird is Tom Ricketts, the owner of the team, said we're not going to, you know, in all likelihood be going out spending a lot of money. We're going to, you know, try to build a little bit from the system, and hopefully they're going to stick with that philosophy. But it's kind of odd. $10 million one year. One year, ten mil for Carlos Pena. So it's a little strange that he's apparently willing to spend that amount of money for um, to fill that first base spot. That's a nice little. It's a nice little stopgap for them. They still have Starling Castro. You know, it's short. Got to find a place for Tyler Coven. I, you know, I think they're trying to shop Kosuke still. So you know, just they don't really they don't have a first baseman in the system. Kosuke uh, Fukudome did not get snarfed up on Black Friday. The big shopping day? Unfortunately not. So There was a long line. I saw long lines at Walmart and Target. I was hoping Kosuke, uh You know, Kosuke is, is a – and I know they're paying him way too much money. If you forget the money, if he's your fourth or fifth outfielder, he could serve a purpose. Fourth or fifth, maybe at like yeah. half his salary, but not well, that's, for, that's not for the $12 problem. Million. Again, if you just forget the financial part and keep him on the roster, let him fill in at center field, give Marlon Byrd a break a little bit, let Tyler Colvin play regularly in right field. Kosuke could move around a little bit in that role. He would be perfectly fine, but, of course, you're paying him, what, $12 million a year, and that's a lot Yeah, but fourth I would, or fifth outfielder. I would almost take that at this point for him to be productive for a full year. Yeah. You know, No more of this. I'm going to be productive in spurts mm-hmm. and then, you know, drop off for the rest of the year. But if they can find some way for him for him to be productive or a team that will take him, mm-hmm. I would try it because I'd love to see Colvin play, like you said, consistently and have well, them t- Tyler build Colvin, the system. He'll be at first base or the outfield. He'll play. I mean, he's going to be a starter next year, right? I hope so. They have to find a place for him to play consistently. Yeah. They have Soriano on left still. Bird's going to play in center, mm-hmm. and then they still have Fukudome. Well, if, they, if they just picked up Carlos Pena, I think Tyler Colvin's your regular right fielder. Talk a little baseball here. We're going to switch up basketball, football later on. But any baseball fans out there, you want to talk about some of the signings, Cubs, Sox, other teams, feel free to do so. Baseball expert and videographer slash technician from Northwestern University, Mike Moreau, joining us here for the two guys at a Mike show, 888 48, and again, uh, female fans out there, Mike Moreau, uh, single, eligible, and as you can see on the uh, live webcast here, reasonably. And I use that term in the loosest sense possible, reasonably good-looking. I, pre- I appreciate that. <laughs> you are that. still single, in, uh, on a t- at least you were six weeks ago. Yeah, kind of. No? Oh, kind of. <laughs> All right, well, that's, that's cool. Just got to, you know, got to make sure our female fans out there are... Uh, you know, taking care of. We want to make sure everything's set in place. If things have changed, you got to let us know. Now, we don't want to throw out a false status out there. We'll, we'll do. Thank you very much. All I keep getting is emails. That, you know, every time we have that, more Moreau. More Moreau. More Moreau. Most of them from, I'm looking over the screen here, 11, 12, 13-year-old girls. But more Moreau. That's, that's what I'm seeing. We want more Mike. They could care less about me. Thank you very much. Uh, 888-463-6748. Yes, David. Uh, just to go back to Polly Canerco, the actual good signing of a first baseman in town. Um, oh, come on. I don't, like I said, I can't, I don't know Carlos Pena from, uh, Roberto Clemente, who sadly passed away 35 years ago. <laughs> uh, what the Diamondbacks were offering him was three years of 24 million. Interesting. Yeah, which is a far cry from the three years 37.5, yeah. so. Yeah, you can you can kind of see where where he said they were lowballing, and that is for the numbers. Well, he's been a productive first baseman. They're offered him eight million a year. 
the Sox deal is going to pay him 12 mil, 12 mil, 13.5. Yeah. One could say the Sox are dumb. I mean, I love Paul Konerka, but 12 million? You know, it's true. You know, you never know what kind of numbers he's going to put up over the next couple of years. But, you know, people have said he's more inclined to return to his, you know, the year he hit 230 than mm-hmm. last year where he hit 38 home runs and was an, an AL MVP candidate. So. 11-year-old Lisa emails in and says, uh, please ask Mike, is he a Cubs fan or White Sox fan? I forgot, quite frankly. What? I'm a pretty big Cubs fan with the okay. uh, Minnesota Twins, I'd say, being my second favorite team. Oh! Wow. I was just about to compliment you, say you're a Cubs fan that doesn't have hatred to the White Sox, but obviously we can renege on that comp- uh, compliment. Yeah, wow. not, not, not the biggest of White Sox fans. Okay. All right, so your thoughts on the signing of Paul Konerky. He's got the big smile on his face saying, great signing for the White Sox. I'm thinking we're getting a real objective opinion here. Yeah, it's a great signing because your beloved team, just or the team you hate, might have spent $12 million. That's probably not. Paul Konerka was a class act, and he hit that kind of the ball last year. Right, it is objective. And I heard heard earlier that there, you know, a couple of weeks ago that the Cubs might have been in on Paul Konerko, and I would have welcomed that. Yep. I would have welcomed that greatly over Carlos Pena. Mm-hmm. You know, it had a great great guy, great teammate, and a guy who's probably going to produce. And the Cubs need that at first base right now. So mm-hmm. I would have loved to have had I would have loved to have had him on the north side, but Sox, Sox swept him up. Guy's a pro's pro in the way he carries himself. And, and, and the other thing I always like about Paul Conurco, consistent. You know, Well, you know what, I'm going to take that back a little bit. Because there was a period, last couple of years consistent, but wasn't there a period about six years ago where he'd have the, the great year, then the average year, the great year, the average year? So I'm going to take back that thought because I do remember there's been a couple of seasons he's been off a little bit, and then he will typically bounce back with the great season. Last couple of years, though, he's been really, really good all season long. Yeah, that was his that was his reputation, yeah. you know, with the, uh, with the Dodgers, and then I believe he went to the Reds for a little bit, or it might have been the other way around, but... When he well early on in his career, that was how that was how he he got started off. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. We have any general managers listening to the show? Want to call in and uh, ask Mike for advice? Feel free to do so. If we have any relatives of general managers, distant cousins, or anyone who's had a brief fling or an affair with a general manager, we love talking baseball here on the two guys at a Mike show. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. The big prize still out there, Mike. Or anyone offering jobs. That would be helpful, too. Yes. <laughs> Beggars can't be choosy, right? Exactly. The uh, big prize out there, Michael Moreau, Clifford Lee. Still available for the taking with your baseball expertise. Now, you want to talk Could about, you you want to talk about a, a guy that's about to get a large sum of money. Any idea what team he might be signing with? I believe he's going to. He's either going to go to the Yankees or the Yankees or Rangers. I don't. I don't see him going anywhere else. I read this morning that the uh, the Angels are in on him too, but I don't know if they're willing to give him. I think what, t- over twenty million a year. I don't. I don't think the Angels are really gonna go go out and spend that kind of money. So mm-hmm. the only two teams I can see going after him are be would be the Rangers and Yankees. And he said he wants to stay. I mean, he likes Texas. But is he really going to turn down $25 million from the Yankees if they offer it to him? $25 million per year. Per year. Over, right? This is uh, not like three years, 25 per year. This is 25 for a year. Per year. Seven, year seven, plus, seven plus years. He'll probably end his 
career with the team he signs with. It's unbelievable. I mean, the guy's good. And I like his attitude. He's a class act and everything. But $25 million per year, that's unbelievable. But apparently that's the uh, the going rate for the best starting pitcher, best clutch starting pitcher in baseball. It, the crazy thing is this is it's Cliff Lee now, and then next year or the year after in the yeah, future, it's somebody else at maybe nearly yeah. $30 million. I mean, they're going to look at Cliff Lee, especially if they have numbers that compare to Cliff. Next year, they'll be talking about that. Uh, Randy Wells of the Chicago Cubs will probably be the hot pitcher. <laughs> Randy Wells gets anything more than I two like, million. I'll I go. Like Randy I'm going to go. I'm going to go apply for you know play for the like Cubs. Blue collar pitcher who uh, does a nice job out on the town in the city of Chicago. Speaking of being out of, out on the town in the city of Chicago, one of our men about town, the pride and joy of ShitownMix.com website. And my occasional co-host here are the two guys at a mic show. The Big Dog, Joel Redwanski, checking in. Big Dog, how are you? Uh, so it is two guys in a mic. It's you, it's me, and it's Mike, Coach. <laughs> Michael Moreau in the studio today, Big Dog, and it's our uh, under-13 teenage female audience has gone way up today. Yes, Dave. Oh, heck yeah. They, they kind of went I... over your head. You oh, missed yes, it. Yes, it did. What are... It's two guys being you and Joel and a mic. Ah, <laughs> hey, get it? Huh? Sorry, big dog. I, I just thought that was very, very clever of the big dog. Sorry, I missed you that missed one. It, so I had Nicely to point done. It out. Thank you. Nicely done. I'm marking down. In beat the schmoes, you were one and two last week, big dog. With that comment, I'm moving you up to two and one. I'm giving you a point. Well, I, I have to admit, I thought you did get it. I knew Mike, Mike got it. I, so, I, I well, did get it. Two guys and a mic. Very nicely done. By the, you're missing the whole point, Coach. Cliff Lee is worth $25 million. Do yeah. you know how many Lee jerseys will be sold in Korea alone? <laughs> hey, see, that one I got. <laughs> okay, good, good. I'm glad you did. <laughs> oh, Big dog, say hello to my good friend, uh, Michael Moreau. here, struggling, young intern for the Chicago Sky, battling his way at Northwestern. What words of advice could you give Mike to keep him from uh, jumping off a ledge somewhere? Oh, get out of this business. Get out. Now, I, I got to tell you something, Mike. Careful. Never, ever, ever make sure your back is never facing Sky Guy. Otherwise, that smile that he's wearing will turn upside down. I've, I've met Sky Guy in person. He's a good person. Uh, well, but he is. You don't feel a little bit intimidated by him? You don't worry he's going to creep up on you at all? No, not at all. Joel, Joel keeps saying he's stuffing. <laughs> he does. I, for, I know he does. Big dog. I forgot that. I don't think we mentioned this. You know, I went to the Philadelphia Eagle game, my first uh, Bears game of the year. Took the kids their first game ever wow. for my teenage son. It's a pretty good game. But at halftime, it was, it, first of all, it was mascot day. It's so oh, that's right. They had the mascot game at halftime. So at halftime, they had everybody out there. They had Ribby, Rhubarb. They had uh, Sky Guy. They had the. Uh, was Southpaw out there from the White Sox? I Sox? think Southpaw was out there. The Chicago Bulls, uh, you know, Benny the Bull was Benny the Bull was the quarterback. But it was awesome. The mascots against like a sixth or seventh grade youth tackle football team. Uh huh. Absolutely hilarious. Benny the Bull rolled out on a fake option play, and some kids just plastered him. <laughs> yeah. What, what's that penalty call when you rip from behind the? Uh, oh, the horse collar. Yeah, it gave him a horse collar. <laughs> it was beautiful. Sky guy. You would have been very proud of Sky Guy. He ran a fake reverse, and he sold the reverse and took like seven or eight players with him. <laughs> it was, now, it was, uh, was Grabowski out there? Grabowski is who for the Chicago? Oh, you know what? That league isn't even around Yeah, I was going to say, that, that team folded, so I don't think their mascots are. That was the indoor soccer Chicago Storm team. Yeah, oh, uh, we had one of those? Yeah. 
<laughs> that must have been brief. <laughs> no, when, the, the, when I actually played in the, it was the reporters versus the, yeah. the what do you call it, uh, mascot football game or soccer game that was being played at the Me- indoor soccer. Media and versus Grabowski. mascots. And Grabowski picked up the soccer ball, and I came flying in at full speed, and I tackled him. And to this day, Brian Bauer said it's the biggest hit he's ever seen on a football field. <laughs> you just blew up a mascot. Yeah, I know. That was pretty funny, Coach. I'm, I'm glad I didn't break his neck. Beautiful, beautiful thing. So the advice you would give Michael as an up-and-coming uh, professional in the media business, get out. Yes, yes. How do you like that, Mike Murrow? Yeah, Mike, whenever you're going for jobs, just say stuff like organic optimization, you know, social <laughs> networking. Just say stuff like that, digital footprint, and just use people and they'll hire you. It's like, man, he knows more than I do, and they'll just hire you. Hey, I'll, you know, I'll take any advice I can get. I don't know if I can get out, though. I like I kind of I kind of like doing this. Okay, now you, you just took advice from a guy without a job. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Big dog talk a little baseball. We gotta get to Bulls basketball and the Bears, but we're finishing up some baseball talk. Carlos Pena signed, Conurco signed, Cliff Lee is out there. Adrian Gonzalez, that's the guy I wanted. Got signed by the Red Sox, but uh, wrap a little bit with Mike Moreau, a couple of baseball experts here uh, on what you think. It's almost done, but how you think the baseball signings have gone so far? Well, I tell you something, the White Sox have one of the best signings so far. This, uh, I mean, the, the Red Sox gave up a lot to get Adrian Gonzalez, Coach. The White Sox have the best signing so far in the offseason because they kept Paul Canerco. They couldn't afford to lose that guy. He's clutch. He's gold-glove caliber at first base. I do not, Alexei Ramirez was praying somewhere in Cuba right now. I don't think he's back in Cuba, <laughs> but somewhere. He is thanking the good Lord that uh, Paul Canerco is uh, signed back with the White Sox because he saves an error a week with him throwing the baseball. The guy's clutch. He's, that's a very, very good signing. And Carlos Pena, oh, my goodness. Seriously, that's what the Cubs have up for space next year. A guy that's going to hit 201 with uh, with 75 RBIs and 947 strikeouts. That's what I was going to ask. I was holding off my opinion until I knew if he stri- – does he strike out a lot? Coach, every single year – His strikeout numbers, I believe, have gone up. He doesn't break the all-time strikeout mark. I'm not See, kidding that's, that's brutal. What kind, is he defensively? He's a he's a good he's a solid fielder. That's probably the reason they went with him over another average first baseman, Adam LaRose. So I think that's what you know they were look they were looking for a left hander, solid fielder, and maybe a guy with a little power. So yeah, the good thing is good. you're right. He's good. He's a good fielder. He's a very he's actually a good base runner when he gets on base once a week. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is that we got a left handed bat. Well, yeah, we got a left-handed bat. Of course, the guy strikes out one out of every three times. He bats 197, but we got a left-handed bat, big dog. Uh, maybe they're just hoping. You know, he's had a couple decent years, and a, and a decent year for Carlos Pena means he hits 250 with 45 homers. I mean, yes. the guy is just pure. He's, he's an all-or-nothing player, and you know I hate all-or-nothing players, Coach. But, but, I mean, Tampa Bay was able to, you know, have a couple really good seasons with him in the lineup. So if everybody else does their job mm-hmm. and he hits 250 with 45 home runs next year, all of a sudden it is a formidable lineup. It, so it's, it's they, The Cubs still also don't have a leadoff hitter. Leadoff hitter. So, I mean, I don't know who's going to do that next year. Well, hopefully they don't consider Alfonso Soriano going back down there again. And, no, no uh, that's, 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 I don't think that's an option anymore. And, I don't really think they want Starling Castro to do it yet, so I really don't know who who's going to do it. Hopefully not Blake DeWitt. Well, as of right now, though, Mike, it, it is going to be Starling Castro. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it has to be. It has to be. I who, think it has to be. Who's I the really other? Can't um, imagine anybody else in the lineup that could do it. 
Even nope. though and I agree with you, they don't want him to do it, and we don't want him to do it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I can, I see where you're coming from because they really don't have anyone else that can do it. Eleven-year-old mm-hmm. Melinda emails in. We're very big with the uh, female teen under thirteen teenage audience with Mike Moreau in the house. Uh, Melinda wants to know who is the new second baseman for the Cubs. Wasn't there a kid they brought up last year that supposedly had great potential? You're talking about Darwin Barney, that's, who was the that's, short, I'm not, they moved uh, that's, to second base. That's who Melinda was talking about, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike has already brought up the name of that, Blake DeWitt. Blake DeWitt's the guy that's that's probably going to be starting. Darwin will, unless he has a you know great spring, will be starting in the minors. But he is on, you know he is listed as one of the Cubs' top prospects. Ten-year-old Tammy from Naperville wants to ask, please ask Mike, what about uh, Jeff Baker? Jeff Baker's. No words on Jeff Baker. <laughs> okay. Well, when they, when they have a left-handed pitcher on the mound, at least he can hit the ball every once in a while. He cannot hit right-handed pitching whatsoever. So I, I think he had something he like 128 against right-handed pitching. And yeah. for a while, I thought that was going to be the Cubs' big off-season signing, which really worried me. But Next year could be our year, big dog. I got a good feeling. This could be. This could be the year coming up. If well, you, I guess if you believe in miracles. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends on Carlos Zambrano, Mike. That's, it's, it's as simple as that. If Carlos Zambrano pitches like he did the last six weeks of, of last year, the Cubs will win the National League Central. It's as simple as that. If they got, if he, if he can win 20 games and have an ERA below two and actually pitch like a guy that deserves $18 million a season, they will cruise to the National League Central title because I don't think all those guys that had Aramis Ramirez and all those other guys who just had brutal years last year, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen again. And I heard this morning that the Cubs were interested in Armando Galarraga and Matt Garza. They can somehow spring for one of those guys. You know, Armando one, Galarraga. One, two, three would be pretty solid in, oh. a, in, the, in the NL Central. Not Andres Galarraga, the big cat? No. Okay. <laughs> But uh, if they got one of those two guys, you know, their pitching staff, and, you know, like Joel said, with if Carlos Zambrano can, can get back to form, one, two, three is pretty solid. And Dempster, Dempster's going to give you 14 wins. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. Some way, somehow. Gonna, Ryan Dempster's going to be 14 and 9 for the for the Cubs next year. No matter how good or bad the team is, he's going to go 14 <laughs> and 9. And, and Matt Garza, with that, he's got a really nice sinker, two seam fastball. A lot of ground balls out of the guy, and at Wrigley Field, you can win a lot of games if you can pound the ball into the ground. Does he like to keep the ball low, Matt Garza? Joel? Yeah, oh, yeah, he likes to work quickly, Thank you. too. Really? And does he like to get ahead in the count? Oh, he loves to pitch ahead in the count, Coach. His objective is to keep the hitters off balance. Thank you, Ron Santo. Any chance of Michael Moreau, longtime Chicago Cub fan, big dog Joel Radwanski, longer time Chicago Cub Cub fan, either one of the two of you will be visiting Holy Name Cathedral for the uh, Chicago's memorial to Mr. Ronald Santo this Friday. Uh, Unfortunately not, but I'll I'll be working, but, you know, I'll try and catch a little bit of it online because, you know, it will be streamed online. It is a perfect reason for me to come back to the city, Coach, so I will will, want to try to do that now that you mentioned. I'm glad you let me know because... Prepare to wait because that line will be very long. To say the least. Yeah, I uh, I passed. You know, if you've passed by Wrigley in the past couple of days, there's mm-hmm. you know fans actually leaving like little memorial for for Ronnie, mm-hmm. which was really nice to see, like jerseys, flowers, and yeah. you know it was really nice to see, nice to see that you know you know he meant a lot to Cubs fans in this city, and 
you know, for especially you know, you know, for people like me who listening to the radio, Ron Santo is all we knew as you know the yeah. uh, the color guy, and you know he wasn't very you know later on he wasn't very good. No, he's a large homer, but you can't help but you can't help but love him. You know, and he battled through a lot, so he's the kind of guy you know. I don't know him personally, but you know you kind of look you kind of look up to him a little because you know it's kind of a little not to compare it to the uh, Jimmy Valvano, but and, you know it's kind of the uh, so I was just thinking of the uh, never give up idea because yeah. you know he just battled through everything yeah. and the Cubs the Cubs were his therapy and he tried you know you kind of live like him you ne- guy tried to never have a bad day. And Big dog, keep- I never told you my uh, up close and personal with Ron Sano. I don't think when I was in my first job out of school. Was uh-huh. uh, not as a uh, soft video technician like Michael Moreau here. I actually worked a real job uh, at the park district running the sports programs. One of my jobs was to run a fairly large girls' youth softball league at the time. Okay. Ron Santo had just retired. He lived in Glenview, and he was one of the coaches of the girls of his daughter. I think her daughter's name was Linda. So he was coaching in this, you know, not even a competitive travel league. This is like a little simple house league, no mitts, squish ball. And Ronnie uh-huh. Santo was the was the coach, and uh, he never showed up to the coaches' meetings and that kind of thing. He just showed up for the game. But I always remembered the moms, who were the coaches of the other, uh, some of the other teams, the volunteer moms. Uh-huh. They get like, oh, oh, what do I do? I'm coaching against Ron Santo today. You know, they're fixing their hair. They're worried about how they look. They got totally freaked out. Coaching <laughs> against Ronnie Santo. Back then, he was pretty popular with the ladies, apparently. So he could be pretty charming, that Ron Santo coach. Yeah. And I actually, we played a softball game against him one time. Men's 12-inch softball. Man, you could just see the quick wrist he had. You know, not not a physically, impo- uh, you look at it, you know, physically he was not, you're wondering how he could hit the, what, 342 home runs? Yeah. Something yeah, in that area, Back in the yeah. pitchers era. Yeah, not that much of a physical specimen, but I remember playing softball against a couple of times, and the thing that stood out was the bat speed and the quick wrist, powerful wrist. Oh, yeah, well... You know, hopefully now, I mean, it's sad to say that hopefully now he's, you know, passed away that he'll get in the Hall of Fame. But, yeah. you know, it's long overdue. He's a guy I, that know. is better numbers with than guys in the Hall of Fame. So The Hall of Fame would have been nice to me, Big Dog. The sadness is going to be that Ron Santo never got to see the Cup win a World Series. That's the true I, I sadness. Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And, and Mike, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and the most important thing was for him to see the Cubs win the World Series. When when he gets enshrined into the Hall of Fame, it won't mean a thing to me because he's, he's passed away. He should have been in 10 years ago. Yep. It's such a joke. Uh, it, it, it disgusts me. I mean, the guy belongs in the Hall of Fame more than almost any of the Cubs that were on that team are in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not trying to knock Billy Williams or Banks or, 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 uh, or Fergie Jenkins. Those guys all deserve to be in it. But when you think about his story, Mike, the fact that he put up those numbers in the pitcher's era, with diabetes, the first American athlete to play in a major sport with diabetes. They brought up, they brought, there was a good point brought up the other day when, you know, now they have all the glucose, you know, calculators and you can check your highs and lows. Sandal didn't have that. Nope. No. So he had to battle, he had to battle through games not knowing where he was. And you know, none of the fans knew about it. None, none coach. Yeah. And his teammates didn't know until like six, seven years into his career. I don't know if it's a fair comparison, Big Dog. I use this with my kids, and I almost took it back. Diabetes back then, unknown, hushed up. Was there any similarity to AIDS today? Maybe not a fair comparison. 
Well, there, like, see, there's a stigma of, oh, you're a bad person if you have AIDS. Now, I'm not saying you are. I'm saying there's, like, this right. weird, oh, you got AIDS because you did something bad and you kind of right. deserve it. And with mm-hmm. diabetes, it was just like, oh, you're going to die. Okay. You know, and uh, I, maybe it was still the same stigma of you're going to die, but I, it doesn't have, like, oh, you were, you were born with diabetes. It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but it, there, is a, there was definitely a stigma, like, oh, you're not going to hang around long. The guy lived 70 years, lived, and he lived a lot more in those 70 years than 99% of the world will yeah. live. So, Michael, you made the uh, comparison, I, and I swear to you, I was thinking in my mind as you said it, uh, to Jimmy Balvano. Yeah. This is the inspiration of the stories. Did you watch any of the games? Have you seen the speech of uh, Jimmy V? I have seen the speech. It's it's one that's hard to miss, and I, wa- I, did, I watched both games last night, and, you know, it's a very inspirational speech. You, you can't. I mean, just the words, you, every time you listen to it, it's kind yeah. of inspiring. Yeah. That's what's amazing about it, Big Dog. We're talking, if people aren't familiar here, first of all, it's Jimmy V Week on ESPN. Some great college basketball games. Two games Mike's talking about Syracuse knocking off Michigan State and Kansas with the Morris boys uh, going to town, knocked off a very good Memphis team. But you watch that speech by Jimmy V. Anybody can YouTube it. Just put Jimmy Valvano or Jimmy V in your YouTube, and you can see the speech. Big Dog, I watch it every single year, maybe a couple times a year, and it never gets tiresome, and it never is anything less than tremendously inspirational. That was the best part of it is the Green Bay Packer part. That is without a doubt the best part <laughs> of that speech. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh every time he says uh, that part of the story. That should be mandatory viewing for uh, teenagers growing up today, for our high school kids. Agreed. I think it's it's something that's going to resonate for a long time, and then yeah. Like you, like you guys have both mentioned, I don't think it will ever get old. Yep. Cancer cannot take my mind. Cancer cannot take my body. Cancer cannot take my spirit. Not sure if I got that right. Boy, when he says that, that's so powerful. It can, it can take his body, but it can't take his mind. Yeah. Was, you know, well, he says three things, his mind, his spirit, and, and his, his heart. Will. Yeah, and his heart. I think that's it. Boy, powerful. And then he's let off stage by Dick Vitale and Mike Krzyzewski. And when he says, I'm hoping to come back next year and do the award show next year. And, of course, he never made it, unfortunately. And the way he kids the guy who's putting up there, uh, you know, 30 seconds left, 15 seconds left, he's going, and I got tumors all over my body. You think I'm worried about uh, some screen that says I got 30 seconds left in my speech? Sit back and get comfortable. I'm going to go overtime, he says. But, boy. Oh, that is, that's another good part of the speech, too, Coach. I forgot about that. Yeah, but check that out. Each and every year it comes in. Not only are the games great, I love the whole inspiration. And, Michael, the uh, charitable organization, there are so many good ones out there, but the Jimmy V Foundation has done such great work for cancer research, too. Yeah, the uh, Coaches versus Cancer uh, games are very, you know, they help get the awareness out. And, you know, hopefully someday all the money donated and, the you know, helping get people aware will... They'll find a cure. They'll find the cure to the disease. You know, you know, lost another good person yesterday afternoon. And, you know, Elizabeth Edwards. Yep. So It's been uh, not such a good week for celebrities. We had, well, the last eight to ten days, Leslie Nielsen, near and dear to our uh, comedic fans of Airport and Naked Gun, etc. Then we had uh, Ron Santo, Dandy Don Meredith, turn out the lights. Unfortunately, the party is finally over. And then... Uh, Elizabeth Edwards, a big dog. Interesting story with her. We can't get into it totally on the show, but read some stuff on her. Kind of a fascinating uh, life, really. From the the marriage 
to their, what, 16-year-old son, tragically dying in a yeah. car crash, and then the whole, and, and how they met in college. She was like four years older than him. He was a punky freshman, and she was like the smartest kid in the class, and she was a senior. So that whole that. courtship was very, very interesting. And then the political career, she was very involved. Of course, the uh, the affair he had and then the cancer she got. But uh, tragically, big dog Elizabeth Edwards, age 61, very, very young. Well, that is sad. I heard last night. So. Yep, yep. All right, 888-463-6748. David Olson has just waved it off like Ed Hockley's. Calling an incomplete pass in the game last week. We're not taking a break. We're staying with it. Big dog, if you can stay with us. Uh, Michael, I'll let you uh, make the choice here. Bulls basketball or NFL football Bears versus Pets? Let's go NFL. Big, big, big Bears weekend. All so right. Let's go. Big dog, you're right up on it. Despite another one and two, a beat the Schmoes weekend. Talk some NFL football. Bears versus Pets with uh, videographer slash Chicago Bear expert Michael Murrell. Oh, you're a videographer, Michael? Uh, I do some filming for Northwestern football. I help film practices and I film highlights during games. Okay, well, I, I might be able to give you a job in about a month, so that <laughs> you know you might want to stick around. Okay, we'll do. Big dog. Uh, earlier, I asked him if, as the videographer if he could somehow like eliminate the last two weeks of Northwestern football. That's it, what it, 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 it was abysmal, Coach. I, I don't know what was worse, that or Illinois last week against their, their loss to Fresno State. I, I know we're talking NFL, like I'm going to college, yeah. but. The season didn't end well for the no. for the Illinois football teams here. No. Northern Illinois, Illinois, and Northwestern. No. Not good, good end to the season. So. A good videographer would uh, strategically and subtly lose the tapes of those games. But we move on. Talk Bears pass, big dog. Uh, if you don't mind, can I ask Mike a question about uh, what he does? Just wonder, what was, because of the whole Declan Sullivan uh, situation at Notre Dame where he died when he was up on the scissor lift, has there been, like, did uh do, do you go up in a scissor lift at some practices and the, like, uh, the administration talk to you guys about make sure you're safe and all that other stuff, or, do, or are you in not any part of the situation Good like that? Good question. Uh, no, I, I don't go up on the lifts. I do everything on the ground. Okay, well, is there, does Northwestern have a lift? Yeah, they have two. Okay, and I, I, I take it they were practicing that same day North, Notre Dame was, and the conditions were probably pretty similar here as they were in South Bend. Uh, I, did they have somebody up on the sizzle that day? Yeah, we had we had our we had our normal practices, but we were indoor. We were indoors. Oh, okay. Those, totally those different, ones. obviously. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah, we were indoors those couple. I think of days. there was some guy hanging from a basketball net. Big, he got his ankle uh, hooked up, but so uh, he was hanging from the basketball net. Not exactly the same thing, but. <laughs> no, it, it isn't, coach. Good, good question though. I did forget that that connection. That's interesting. But you, so. Pat Fitzgerald was smart enough to move the practice indoors. Well, it was really windy, so with the passing game, you can't really yeah. can't really get much done outside. No, not at all. And I guess we're going to go back to the NFL and talk passing game. Well, the team with the best passing game in the NFL is coming to town this week uh, in the in the New England Patriots. And uh, coach, it's going to be one of those things when they play the pass. They shouldn't get frustrated if Tom Brady's got the, you know, 200 yards at halftime and all that other stuff. Don't worry about the yardage. Worry about whether or not, uh, yeah, he's, you know, completing passes with a lot of time and they're, and they're scoring touchdowns. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of those things where if you're a Bears fan, don't, don't get upset if they're getting big chunks of yardage. Get upset if they're getting actually in the end zone because you're going to get beat. And I love the way, uh, I know you're kind of young, Mike, but Lou Holtz, said it perfectly. I don't care if they complete passes, but they better not get anything after the catch. 
That's how we always coach at Notre Dame. So they're going to complete some stuff. It's all right. Just make sure that West Welker and, and uh, Brandon Tate and all these guys, Aaron Hernandez, are not getting gigantic chunks of yardage after the catch. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great point because the Patriots don't have much of a deep threat or a deep game. Everything is short, you know, mm-hmm. mid-range and, you know, every, after the catch. So hopefully the Bears aren't tackling like they did in the first half against the Lions. Because if they do, it's going to be a very long game like the Jets uh, yeah, have. I, I, you know, Coach talked about how they didn't really have much going on with the with – the, like, Coach said there wasn't much wrong with that first half, and I kind of agree with you, Coach. You know, when I got off the air, you know, I thought about it. There were times in yeah, that first half they did not tackle whatsoever. And uh, if you're going to – the Patriots are going to complete passes. It's whether or not when they're playing that cover two, they come flying up and put big hits on people, and hopefully they will this Sunday. And I'm, you know, I think I think the Bears win this week, and I think the game the Bears have to worry about more is the Jets. And I'm also worried about the Vikings because they just do not they do not play well in Minnesota ever. And, and, and I'm more worried about the Green Bay Packers, and nobody even cares about the New England Patriots coming up this week. Uh, it's uh, I made the uh, prediction well, the, via the uh, Facebook. It's interesting you said that. That was going to shock the world. Apparently, I'm shocking nobody. I said the Bears are going to be lose. This is a no lose situation for the Bears this week. Not a lot of pressure. I think the Bears find a way to beat New England. That's the good news. After that, big dog. My prediction is loss, loss, loss. First round knockout in the playoff. So I'm going to predict the Bears win this week. They're on top of the NFL world, and then uh, they go into mini collapse. Well, that mini oh, collapse, right, that mini collapse probably wouldn't get them in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Uh, ten and so six. The, well, we we were saying if the Bears go ten and six, they would get into the playoffs. We've been yep. saying it all year, Mike. But I don't think they go ten and six and get in the playoffs unless that win is possibly against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they can, the last week, I, I don't see ten and six getting them in. Yeah, because they, they can't afford to lose any more NFC NFC games because mm-hmm. they're you know they would lose that tiebreaker with another team because they lost. To the Redskins right. and the Seahawks and who's the third team that the Bears lost to? Um, the Redskins. The Redskins. I said Redskins, Seahawks, and yeah. who, who? Giants. Giants. So three. You said, you said Redskins for some reason. I was thinking Giants. Oh, okay. Reason. So that's that's three NFC losses right there. They can't afford another one. So hmm. that'd be pretty harsh going ten and six and not making the playoffs. But uh, that that was kind of the feeling I had. But I just I just think this uh, Sunday. By the way, temperatures going to be cold and i'm hearing like 30 mile an hour wind big dog so it's going to be one of those uh uh, weather will definitely be a factor i don't know if it's going to hurt the bears more or new england but it's going to be a brutal day at soldier field it all depends on the footing if 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 they have good footing and it's that cold and that windy windy Mm -hmm. the advantage will be to the bears for the simple fact is but if it's wet the advantage goes right back to the the new england patriots because with a passing game yeah, if it's if there's bad footing, Tom Brady will have all day long. You want to have good footing so you can go get after him. So that that's going to be the biggest difference, coach. And Brady has also performed well in weather, you know, in temperatures where the game times below 30 degrees or some ridiculous that. I think I read he's 30 and five or something ridiculous like that. Is or, there any weather where he does not perform well? Uh, what I don't know. Maybe <laughs> when he's sick. <laughs> I think it's only when they go to Miami. That's the only places he doesn't seem to really to play well. Is when they go to the Dolphins tend to play very well against the against the Patriots at home. So I'd have to say heat and humidity, coach, which they don't have to worry about too much playing in New England. NFL football talk here eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Big dog on the phone lines. Michael Moreau in the house. Triple eight four six three six seven. 
888-448, the phone number. Gentlemen, I don't know if you're aware or not, but uh, ex-Chicago Bear coach David Wanstead did step down as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Panthers. So another coaching, I'm not going to say failure because he had a few decent years, but he's moving aside, didn't quite get it done with the Pitt Panther. Yeah, I guess the pieces weren't in place there. He had a good year, was it last year? Yeah, well, you know, you play in the Big East. It's hard to know whether you have a good year or not because you get an automatic, you get an automatic BCS bid. Whether he got the contract extension, I think they got to pay him for like four more years. I I don't he's, know the exact contract. He's going to be a special assistant. They kind of pushed him out as coach, uh, but he's going to be a special assistant to the athletic director. Big dog, can you gander what his job responsibilities might be as? The special assistant to the athletic director. Uh, yeah, that's going to be. It sounds like, that sounds like uh, stay quiet and you know keep your money. Yeah, that, that sounds about it. Uh, we paid you enough money, so we're going to have to actually have you do something. Maybe he'll like have to be the one who fixes the jammed copy machine if they still have a Xerox <laughs> machine over there at the Pittsburgh Panthers athletic office. Possibly um, foot massages. They'll probably have to test the food of the of the new coach before he eats <laughs> in the cafeteria. <laughs> "Quote unquote special assistant." Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure he'll, he'll take it. You know, he'll, yeah. he's still getting paid his millions. There, are, there are a lot of other people that feel sorry for than David Wanstead. Uh, oh, and I have to bring this up too. My favorite story from the uh, the weekend last week. I don't know if you guys caught this or not. Cincinnati, not the NFL team, but the college team. Oh, their mascot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what happened? What the, happened? The Cincinnati Bearcat got arrested and escorted out of the stadium because. Because he was having a, a snow field, by the way, that's what they call it, Nipper <laughs> Field. Right. He was having a snowball fight with the fans, which started out friendly, but it started to get less friendly, and he wouldn't stop firing snowballs. So finally, the police mascot uniform and everything, big dog, arrested him and escorted him out of the stadium. Wow, there's been a lot of controversy <laughs> this year with uh, mascots in Ohio. You had the Bobcat who didn't even go to the school, take, you know, trying to take on uh, Buckeye at Ohio State. Uh huh. And now the the guy at the Bearcat one. <laughs> have you seen the replay though, Mike? No, I have not seen just it. Firing snowballs, and you know how mascot start off just playing, right? But there's nothing better when the play starts to they actually starts to get angry. I could just see him just firing snowballs, and a couple of fans are probably hitting some innocent people. I will so track the down the video and put it on our Facebook page. Okay, all right. <laughs> David Olson, our producer, right at it. All right, uh, real quick, Chicago Bulls take on the Cleveland Cavaliers today. Can the Bulls, gentlemen, can the Bulls stop LeBron and the Cavaliers tonight? Yeah, they can because LeBron is no longer in Cleveland. Ah, that's a good start. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls, they're, I think hopefully they start putting it together with, you know, now that Boozer's played a couple of games and he's getting, you know, accustomed to his role, you know, Taz Gibbs and, which Todd Gibson coming off the bench now. Hopefully that second unit with, you know, C.J. Watson, Todd Gibson will, you know, start to get better because the other, the issue with the Bulls early on in the season was their second unit. They would get brought in the game and they would just yeah. get dominated. But now things are starting to get better with the second unit. I'm going to add to that, Big Dog. I think a young coach, and you're right, Mark, part of the problem, Mike, the part of the problem was the second unit. Part of the problem was Tom Thibodeau, the young coach, who's, you know, nervous, trying to protect himself, needs victories, maybe not as comfortable as some of the veteran coaches. I don't think he trusted the second unit. 
So I think part of it was a little underperformance by them, but I, I think he played the starters way too many minutes. As a young coach, it's somewhat understandable. you got talent in that second unit. you got to let them play, let them play through some problems. I don't know if you saw that or not, Big Dog. That's the way I, th- I, I, I saw it. I, I, you know what, Coach? I have to admit, I've watched maybe 25 minutes an hour of uh, Chicago Bulls basketball this year, mm-hmm. and it's usually in the last like two, three minutes of the game. So I haven't been able to see a lot of a lot of basketball. So I'm going to have to. Yeah, normally, you know, I, I disagree with almost everything you say about football, but basketball, <laughs> I tend to agree with you usually. So I, I'm going to have to go with that. that it's okay. it's a it's a it's a valid point to look at because the the minutes that you know Noah Rose and Dang have all played shot through the roof. It's so. a long season. You know, it was it was important when Rose missed that game against the Nuggets that Thibodeau saw C.J. Watson have a great game, so that was much C.J. needed. C.J. Watson, he can play. Well, he can score. That he can definitely score the ball. He, he handles the ball decently. Omar Ashik, make all the jokes you want. You know what? He's not bad. Omar like Ashik, I'm not, huh? I like the Bogans kid. Keith Bogans. Well, he's a starter, but yeah, Keith Bogans is very serviceable. Obviously, Kyle Korver. Uh, even, you know, Scalabrini, when he comes up, their bench is good. Thibodeau has to trust the bench and rest some of the regulars, my personal opinion. That, that'll, that'll come, that'll come with time. Like you said, you know, he's still, still getting used to his roster. So, yep. and, you know, Boozer is just now back. Yep. So with Boozer back, Boy. that will help. That will help. And people have said, well, you know, what will change with Boozer? The rotation changes because Gibson's not starting. So he comes off the bench. He's still going to play a lot, but. It helps that second unit, you know, with, you know, lessening the minutes for certain players because he can come in for Boozer. He can come in for Noah. And so what it helps, have now, it helps they, change, change things up a bit. They, they, they've got a lot of guys that can score. A lot of guys that can hurt you. And that really puts the defense at a disadvantage. If you watch the last game against Oklahoma City, Big, I don't know if we talked about this when you joined us for Tuesday's award-winning show, but if the Bulls play like that, they got a chance to win the whole Eastern Conference. They got a chance to be amongst the best teams in basketball. And when I say play like that, Derrick Rose giving up the ball two thirds of the time on possessions, early in the possession, and letting the other guys get involved. Not Rose dribbling for 12 seconds. Well, maybe it's not there. Give it to Dang. Dang looks four or five seconds. I can't quite create anything. Back to Derrick Rose. Let's try to create some of the last second. But D. Rowe was giving the ball up. Still made some spectacular draw. But they got a lot of guys. Bench. Start We said it best, Big Dog, last year. We said if Luol Deng is your fourth best scoring option, you got yourself a winning team. If he's your second best scoring option, you're destined for defeat. Right now, Luol Deng is our fourth option. He's a dangerous one. And, Big Dog, the Bulls are winning. Yeah, and, well, I think they could actually win at a better clip if they start using their bench more and, and, and resting guys and actually – and I do like the fact we talk about sharing the basketball coach. That's exactly what they need to do. And and I don't want them wearing the actual starters out. Their bench is so deep. Get these guys some pick. Get a little, let them get some chemistry playing together. So I, I, I like your analysis right there, coach. And they and if they're going to go far in the playoffs, you don't want a bunch of starters with a bunch of minutes on their legs. Mm-hmm. They need to get more of the bench players involved. So. And, and the game the other night is a game they wouldn't have won last year. No, they would have gotten pounded yep. and lost by. 20 or 20 or so because they didn't they didn't have that second option last year. It was really just Rose. If Rose wasn't scoring or dishing it out, yep. they lost. And 
you know, you say you, you kind of want Rose to, you know, dish it off a little bit more, yes. but he's the kind of guy that he needs to know when to take over because he is the, he is the star. Because sometimes Derek will need to take over and score like he has early, early on in a couple of games this year. But I would argue if they share the ball, get everybody else involved, he's going to have more driving lanes. He will be able to pick his times and be careful late in the game, last four minutes, give the ball to Derek. It's Derek's time to take over. Derek, you know, other guys are telling him, Derek, last three, four minutes of the game, it's got to be all you. I don't like that. I think even in clutch situations, you still got to share the basketball because the defense knows what's coming. You know, we've seen many games the last couple of years where it's Derek Rose at the end of the game, you know, and he'll fumble the ball away or, you know, so share the basketball and he'll get plenty of opportunities. Agreed. But, you know, I, I think he is, he's, you know, he likes, I think he likes the, that pressure and, you know, he likes to be the guy at the end of the games. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's anybody on the court with Derek Rose at the time that I'd want taking that. Not that Brian Scalabrini? No, not, not Brian Scalabrini. And Derrick Rose needs to be that guy for the Bulls because having a guy like that is what separates the good teams from the great teams. They need. It doesn't matter if the defenses know that it's going to that guy. He needs to be the guy that can get through those defenses, even though they're collapsing on him. You know, you know what I mean? It's it's like the uh, the Nuggets game they lost at the buzzer. They knew where the ball was going, and yet Carmelo Anthony still hit the game winner. So, I mean, the, no, exactly. the teams can know exactly. where, yeah, the teams can know where the ball is going, but they still got to stop it. Still a star-based league. Big dog, apparently the uh, clock says 10.57 when it says that. It tells us that we have to end our show and uh, move on to another day, my friend. Sounds good, Coach. I'm going to go to bed. I love your advice for Michael Moreau. That was very inspirational. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Mike, great to have you in the studio. I know uh, I'll be out on suspension for a couple of weeks. During the uh, holiday, it's suspension slash holiday. There's a, it's kind of a gray area. But uh, we'll get you in studio for sure during those couple of weeks, okay? Yeah, that'll be appreciated. Beautiful. Remember to burn the Northwestern defensive tape. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. We'll do it all over again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. TalkZone.com. <laughs>